Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we're getting you ready for the other big event this weekend, WrestleMania, by sharing our thoughts on the best Mania entrances and the best Mania main events. Plus, our retrospective on the man who started here with us in New England and is now challenging for the WWE Championship on Sunday, Kofi Kingston. After that, an all-time best promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there. But there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 154, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. Once again on an extended hiatus from the ring... And not joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. He is still a contractor being on a wrestler, however. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is one half of the bouncers, the brawler, Brian Malonis. And I got to level with you, folks. There is just so much happening out there, not only in the wrestling world, but in our worlds. Uh, Brian and myself. Of course, Astromania just happened. Uh, as you're hearing this on Monday, I'm recording before Astromania, but... Astromania is in the books, and thanks to everyone uh, listening here that attended and everyone else in Derry, New Hampshire that was there. I'm actually in the middle of a move. I am moving from uh, my apartment to a bigger place closer to the city of Boston, Massachusetts, and I actually snuck out. I presume I was able to sneak out to do Astromania to referee, and of course, the Kingpin gearing up for Madison Square Garden this weekend. He has uh, been announced in the Honor Rumble, so uh, the pre-show of the biggest event in Ring of Honor history. He will be a part of it at Madison Square Garden, so be sure to check out the Kingpin G1 Supercard this weekend. And with Astromania happening, with MSG happening, me moving, it, it has just been... Uh, crazy around here and i mean we're heading into the biggest wrestling week of the year and the kingpin and i just can't get together we can't get a full podcast recorded i mean no april fools here uh legit we're having trouble getting on the same page and i mean that's to be expected with everything that's happening now so i mean of course next week we're both going to be in new york slash new jersey to be a part of the festivities. Well, he's going to be a part of it. I'm going to be watching on. But I'm committing to get an episode out next week in some form or fashion, likely from the road, just talking about the experience with G1 Supercard. Uh, me as a fan, and hopefully we get words with the Kingpin as well. We should be able to get words with Brian as well regarding his appearance on G1 Supercard. But yeah, this is kind of the most inopportune time to... Uh, to both be so super busy when the biggest event in wrestling is happening, G1 Supercard, of course, and the other show we're going to talk about in a minute. But, uh, yeah, this is really bad timing on our part. We've never been accused of being uh, the best when it comes to timing, and this is certainly the case here because everyone's checking out podcasts. You know, Everyone wants to know everything there is to know about what's going on in wrestling, and we're running a repeat essentially here. No, but really I want you guys to stick around here because... I'll mention it. The WrestleMania is coming this weekend as well on Sunday, and that's going to be the theme of this week's uh, edition of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. For those of you who don't know, for a year, we did two podcasts a week. Absolutely unbelievable to me now because uh, we can't find the time to do one, apparently, clearly. But for a year, solid 52 weeks, we did two episodes a week. On Thursdays, we called it the BDA Bonus Podcast. Remember BDA Radio? We used to talk about that all the time. That went under, but uh, we still remain. The BDA Bonus Podcasts, we talked about the best and worst of things. And I've said it before, and I believe this to be true. Those episodes are hidden gems. If you haven't gone back and checked out the old Thursday episodes from 2017, you're really missing out. But no, you're not going to miss out because we're going to share some with you right now. They are WrestleMania-related. There's some really fun stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about WrestleMania entrances 
But before we get into it, BrianMalonis.com, get your t-shirts. You got the Mastodon shirt, you got the original Kingpin design, the Curtain Jerker shirt, the Mega Malonis shirt, all there at BrianMalonis.com. Be sure to support the Kingpin, even though he can't come and, you know, do the podcast with me this week. But you will hear from him in just a moment as we blast through the past, talking about various WrestleMania things. TheWPAN.com, TheWPAN.com, that is our website, our hub, our home base, the monks of the wrestling podcast about nothing where we all just come together and celebrate this great podcast. You can find ways to subscribe to the podcast there through all the various platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio. Also, the social media links are there. Of course, we are at the WPAN on basically all social media platforms. Then the bios, then the nudes, uh, excuse me, the photos, all there on the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. Go there, check out the website, let us know what you think. All right, let's get to it. We're looking at WrestleMania's past on this week's wrestling podcast about nothing. So, best WrestleMania entrances, Brian. This one didn't really become a thing till a little uh, later on as a. Uh as WrestleMania kind of evolved, maybe not even till they started in the uh, in the stadiums, did it really become a thing to uh, have a big, elaborate mini entrance. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think there were some smaller scaled ones, but definitely once they once they started hitting the big big uh, stadium shows, that's when some of this stuff took off. I, I think we should we might be able to actually uh, name the if we're, if we're actually going to give an award for this, Mike, it might be the Triple H Memorial uh, WrestleMania Entrance Award. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what uh, our friend Brian Fury would want. And uh, I think he's going to be very disappointed by my list when it comes to uh, Triple H. Because Let me just say this. With Triple H's entrance, uh, I know uh, Fury's all about it every single year. It's not an entrance if he's just sitting there in a throne. He's not entering. <laughs> he's just sitting. Oh, you're splitting hairs. I think Mike Mills has got to you. <laughs> Come on. Last year last year was pretty awesome. Wait, what, what was last year? That was like the, the Hunger Games thing with Stephanie and... Oh, where she's... She looked she's, like a friggin' million bucks and... And she's talking for an hour and a half. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> and then, and then um, I don't know if it was the year before or, or two years before that where uh, Charlotte and Sasha Banks were involved in the entrance. And that one was pretty cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do it. For, you, don't, you don't see any redeeming quality to those entrances. Or no, any entertainment no, value. These the the Conan ones, the the only one that missed Terminator the mark ones. for me. Yeah, the only one, that, well, the Terminator one missed the mark, and I think that was just because it was daylight out. <laughs> you know, like kind of lost some of its you know luster. I think. Uh, yeah. All those th- th- WrestleMania 31 entrances, I don't think we'll have any on our list here from 31 because I think the Sting, the Bray Wyatt, uh, and the Triple H one all would have been much, much, much better. Had it been nighttime. Yeah, I had, for 31, I had the Rusev entrance. Oh, I forgot about that with the he tank. He came on in a tank. Yeah, That, that was, was pretty awesome. That was pretty <laughs> badass. That was pretty badass. Uh, but we're talking about, like, uh, you know, the stadium shows kind of being the real birth of the elaborate entrance. But Oh, I was going to throw one at you. What, what about Shawn Michaels at 12? That was, yeah, that's, that's, that's one to think about. That's on there. That's definitely on the list. The the one where he was, uh, where Jose Lothario was pointing to the heavens. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah, he got on the bottom rope. He's pointing to the heavens, and then yeah, he, uh, he he did the uh, zip line all the way down. That yeah, that was one of the earliest. Uh, if there was any doubt, who was winning that match? <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the one of the early ones that I I thought about was one that I was at. We just talked about the uh, Boston WrestleMania, WrestleMania fourteen, uh, the Undertaker's entrance. It might have been the first like true. Well, at WrestleMania nine, he did the thing where he came out with the hearse with the Raven. But WrestleMania fourteen was with the all the Druids came out with torches. They, they held them up, and he walked underneath the torches. And uh, a little trivia fact: a lot of the guys that were the druids for that were uh, guys that worked for NWA New England, the company I worked for at the time. Uh, Tony Rumble is one of them. Eric Sprayson, Knuckles Nelson. I'm not sure if I don't think Rich Paladino is one, or I'm sure I would have 
known about it. I'm sure he would have. I'm sure he'd be talking about it nonstop. And uh, and uh, you know, yeah, all those guys were the were the druids, and you kind of see they they don't have them fully covered uh, facially. But uh, that first time he came up with those torches and Undertaker walking underneath them, that was like an iconic uh, scene that you probably still see to this day. Undertaker's had quite a few uh, as well, and hopefully I'm not stealing any of your thunder here, Mike, with your list. Uh, I mean, the the one, I think it was the uh, WrestleMania at the Meadowlands uh, Stadium uh, in New York there, where right. all the hands kind of reaching up and um, do we have, I we, believe Catech Wrestling Heavyweight Champion Ilya Markopoulos was part of that one. Yeah, I was just going to say the little trivia note there. Yes, Ilya was <laughs> one of the uh, zombies with the reaching his hand up. And also when it comes to the Undertaker's entrances, uh, WrestleMania 25, I, I would put probably just the two entrances of Shawn Michaels and Undertaker together. So perfect. So well done with yes. uh, Shawn Michaels <laughs> In a duplicate of The Undertaker's hat and jacket, except all in white, and he is descending from the heavens, and then Undertaker's entrance, he ascends from hell. It was uh, a perfect dichotomy. It was just uh, really well thought out, really well done. So WrestleMania 25, Sean and Undertaker, uh, if we're still talking about Undertaker here, that, that was a absolutely fantastic one do you have any others or do you want to get right to your number one pick um i mean it, we, i think we'd be kind of remiss not to mention a couple of people close to us at the the new day with the bootio cereal last year that was yeah. uh pretty awesome to see see kofi get uh a special wrestlemania entrance i think that was pretty i don't, I don't know if it'd be up there among the best of all time but pretty damn cool to get that sort of uh to get that sort of entrance exactly yeah they they teased that for the longest time the bootios and there's the, there's the huge box it was uh yeah it was something and the all the stuff that was on the side of the box too all the uh the uh, nutritional the ingredients uh, yes is uh <laughs> all like inside stuff that was tremendous and uh of course our pal sasha banks last year um with snoop dogg singing her rapping her to the ring a really kind of a special moment for her i'm sure and for you know us watching at home too yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome, and she, and she, I mean, even in those moments, uh, she tends to wear, I think, her her heart on her sleeves, and you can you can always see uh, the moments that mean a lot to her. And I don't know if that's a a good or a bad trait as a performer, um, but I, I think something like that, I think it lets the fans in, and and you can see when somebody cares so much, and I think makes those moments all the more special. Okay, Brian. So, what do you think if you had to pick one? best wrestlemania entrance of all time what would it be well i and and, and hopefully i hopefully i'm not misremembering this but I, I remember the entrance and uh hopefully i'm not misremembering the circumstances but uh the undertaker who had had that character shift to the american badass for a few years there mm-hmm. um when he made the return at wrestlemania 20 right that was the return of the dead man am i correct with saying that mike uh, when it comes to WrestleMania numbers, I'm not great at that, but I know it was at a WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, I, I, I'm pretty confident. Uh, I, I know the the, oh, the entrance I'm talking about is his WrestleMania 20 entrance, uh, okay. and I'm fairly confident the whole story around that was his return as the Dead Man. But with with the Druids, it's Madison Square Garden. I know it's not an arena show. It's the return of the Dead Man from the from the American Badass character. Uh, people waiting to see him. Um, back and that and that gimmick again and that character again. That I think, in my opinion, is the best WrestleMania entrance of all time. And I can't confirm that it was the Return of the Dead Man WrestleMania twenty. Thank you. It was more like a cowboy hat than the <laughs> uh, traditional uh, Undertaker hat. But yes, I just remember the yeah the anticipation of uh, of actually seeing him. Back in that character, even though it was a character that you'd seen him in, you know, thousand times before, uh, the return of that character I thought was something pretty special. Uh, and they had the druids there again with the torches, and just an awesome, uh, awesome moment. And and I think the the build up to it uh, made it all that more special. Not the most elaborate entrance of all time, but uh, certainly an unforgettable one. All right. Well, I'm going to go back on what I said of the early WrestleMania entrances. We talked about WrestleMania 14 with The Undertaker in Boston. We talked about WrestleMania 12 with Shawn Michaels uh, ziplining from the from the heavens. And I'm going to go back even before that 
my favorite entrance in WrestleMania history took place at WrestleMania 9, Brian. Goodness. It was Bobby Heenan coming out <laughs> on a camel backwards. <laughs> that all was right. my favorite entrance of all time. Just him just kind of like bumbling, almost falling, just selling it really huge that so he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Uh, of course, this was the entire you know Caesar's Palace. It was the entire uh, you know Roman theme and... Bobby Heenan in a, in a toga kind of uh, coming out on a camel and just completely bumbling and fumbling around was absolutely hilarious. And I mean, you'd expect nothing less from a guy that like Bobby That being one of the most memorable moments from that WrestleMania tells you everything you need to know about that WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> I love that entrance, all right? And I'm sure the uh, Our Vantage Point podcast will agree. Uh, we'd be remiss uh, not to mention uh, they're not elaborate entrances, but I was a, a huge fan of the little ring carts. They, uh, they yes. first debuted at WrestleMania three, and then they brought them back for six, right? I think so. Yeah, if they, when they were back in Toronto, yeah. Yeah, I thought those. I I, I don't know. I love those. I thought that was uh, tremendous. I, I mean, if you want to just talk about kind of iconic images. Andre the Giant coming down uh, with Heenan on one of those at WrestleMania three and just getting pelted with, <laughs> with garbage, <Yes. laughs> like, but just an to me an icon at least an iconic image in in, in pro wrestling. Yeah, so uh, that's my pick, Brian, and I think we uh, we covered just about all of them, but uh, maybe we didn't cover them all. So why don't you guys tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter? Let us know if you missed something. Favorite WrestleMania entrances of all time. Yes, please do let us know what you think. What do you think, Brian? Talk about uh, The Undertaker at WrestleMania 20, his big return as the dead man. And, of course, Bobby Heenan at WrestleMania 9, my favorite entrance of all time. Let us know what you think of those. Let us know what your own favorite WrestleMania entrances here at the WPAN on Twitter. I'm trying to think now if there's any entrances that have happened since we recorded that that perhaps could knock Bobby Heenan out of my number one spot. Uh, I think still Bobby Heenan is my number one, just coming out on that camel backwards. Uh Classic Bobby Heenan, unforgettable, uh, probably the only memorable thing from WrestleMania 9, unless you're a Hulk Hogan super fan like my friend uh, Brian Malonis. All right, let's talk about the best WrestleMania main event of all time. You got anything in mind out there? Let us know what you think at the WPAN on Twitter. But now, let's go back to 2017 and hear our thoughts about the best Mania main events. First of all, I guess we should say... That by main event, we mean the last match on the show. That was the criteria for uh, what we're picking here tonight. I mean, even though that first uh, WrestleMania 25 Undertaker-Shawn Michaels match was amazing, it was not the main event of the show, so it could not be uh, selected here today. This is based purely on the last match on the WrestleMania card, the traditional main event. Well, I mean, my real vote, Mike, is, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan defeating Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9 for the... Oh, boy. Jamie <laughs> Jimikowski. <laughs> Past guest Jamie Jimikowski is uh, gritting his teeth right now. He just, he just spit out his coffee and he's not even drinking any? <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Prez. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a couple different ways I guess you could look at it. I mean, some of the ones, the the kind of the first one that came to mind, I guess, just overall magnitude was Hogan versus Andre at WrestleMania three. I mean, maybe the match quality, not. Um, I don't know if the, the match quality of that 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 match would quite hold up today, but just the magnitude and the spectacle that that was um, was something to even. Uh, what are we, 30, some 30 years later, 31 years later? Still up there as one of the top main events, if not the number one, um, as far as like um, importance and magnitude and most memorable WrestleMania main events of all time. What about uh, WrestleMania 6? Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I mean, I think it's another one. Big, you know, first time they'd ran. Uh, well, I guess not in a stadium because WrestleMania 3 was in a stadium, but uh, first time out of the country. Uh, yes. First time uh, double babyface. That one didn't really pop to my mind. Um, no? No, I think largely too because if you you look at and maybe I'm maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but what came out of that uh, was largely a failed title run for the Ultimate Warrior. So I, I don't know. It didn't really um, didn't really jump out. Another one that jumped just because, out at me just because Hulk Hogan lost, right? 
<laughs> That's why. I remember I, I kind of uh, buried my face into my couch when it happened, but I can just imagine uh, young Kingpin was uh, not too pleased. There were, there were tears flowing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go on. Much like the 70,000 in attendance, I wasn't watching the Warriors celebrate. I was watching Hulk Hogan. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, another one that came to mind was WrestleMania 12, uh, the Iron Man match, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. There's some major differences of opinion on this one. The knock against the Iron Man match is that, you know, uh, don't pay attention till the last. It's kind of like a basketball game. You know, don't pay attention to the last five minutes uh, <laughs> because you know that it's going 60 minutes. And uh, some people just don't like that about Iron Man matches. And some people didn't like uh, this match. They thought it was... Uh, a little drawn out, but uh, it goes both ways. It I guess kind of depends on uh, what kind of a fan you are. You you really enjoyed this match? I did, yeah. And and just from again from, uh, I tend to like things that have historical context as well. I mean, um, the days of the sixty minute matches had kind of passed long past that that by that point. So for WWE to present you know the main event and tell people it's going sixty minutes was was something it, it was also i mean just the, again the historical context of these two guys knowing the history between them i i think there's something to that um but do you want me to get to my choice here mike or are you just looking for me to set this up here what are you looking for out of me here because i'm ready i'm ready if you if you want my pick i i got my pick ready to go let me give a, a one or two more of of my okay. kind of runner-ups here a big thing for wrestlemania obviously i mean for any wrestling match really is is emotion and you think of a match like um, like Daniel Bryan's title win in the triple threat at WrestleMania 30. Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista. Of course, earlier in the night, Daniel Bryan qualified by beating Triple H in the first match and went on to the main event. And, of course, the whole story with uh, Connor, the, the, the young kid with, um, with brain cancer, and he was in the front row and Daniel Bryan wins the title and goes over and hugs him is a very emotional thing. Not even just for that, just the fact that, you know, Daniel Bryan against all odds, he wasn't slotted. He wasn't put in this uh, position uh, by management. He was put in this position basically by the fans. The fans demanded it. And it was not so much like the, the best match I can think of in the world, but just the significance of the entire buildup, uh, the significance of the win, it just kind of uh, when you when you think of emotion, when you think of storybook endings, which uh, you know a lot of WrestleMania is about, that kind of uh, comes to the forefront for me. Uh, another one when it comes to emotion, but this is something that we've talked about before here on the podcast, Brian. Um, something that I've had a hard time reconciling. Another triple threat match at WrestleMania twenty which was uh, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus the man who shall not be named, uh, Chris Benoit. I remember a lot of emotion in this match. Of course, it's all been kind of dashed now with the the whole situation. Um, but I remember Chris Benoit tapping Triple H, and you, know, you never thought Triple H was going to be one. Shocking. You never thought Triple H was going to be one to tap out. Never thought in a million years that would happen. Never thought in a million years Benoit would win. And then when uh, you know Eddie Guerrero comes down to ringside and uh, they embrace in the ring, it was, it was like I remember I was sitting in Todd Sinclair's living room uh, with a bunch of guys watching this, and I remember being a little choked up by this. Of course, <laughs> as I mentioned, it's all been destroyed by the horrible acts of of Chris Benoit. But uh, I remember that being. Um, a really great WrestleMania moment. It's kind of kind of uh, ironic too, coming out of that, because you kind of had like these two guys who were widely considered, uh, you know, wrestlers, wrestlers, two of the best actual workers and two of the best actual wrestlers of a generation. And the very next year, it was full on sports entertainment mode when the two champions walking out of WrestleMania 21, Cena and Batista. So. Yeah, yeah. Kind of exactly. there. <laughs> so, okay, what's your pick? What is your pick for the best WrestleMania main event ever? Uh, the, my, my pick, Mike, and ironically, it's it's probably not even. Uh, it's not. It's uh, well. It's not probably. It's not even the best WrestleMania match that these two fellas had against one another. But I think the best WrestleMania main event of all time, fairly recent. Uh, at least, at least for me. WrestleMania 26, The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. 
Oh, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should have talked about this beforehand. <laughs> I had the exact same match, and I agree with you. That's not the best of their of their uh, two meetings, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. The best WrestleMania, uh, yeah, exactly. The best, my, my favorite WrestleMania main event, or the best, what I consider the best WrestleMania main event, the second best match that these two guys had at WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, and both of them are probably top five matches at WrestleMania all time. Um, I mean, these two guys obviously had just uh, incredible um, chemistry to have to go two years in a row. And, and I, mean, I think it was an impossible task to try to top WrestleMania 25 because watching that match, I mean, that's damn near a perfect... I mean, no match is ever perfect, but WrestleMania 25, uh, Michaels and Undertaker might be about, about as close as you might get. Um, but this one, for a lot of reasons. I mean, one, you talked about emotion, um, the emotion of this potentially being Shawn Michaels' uh, last match, which it ultimately was. And you look back again at some of the historical context. Shawn Michaels' last match. Uh, maybe The Undertaker's last great match, or certainly his last great WrestleMania match, because I, I, I'm not a uh, huge fan of his matches against uh, Triple H. I don't think I'd put them in the great category. Uh, I mean, th- these two matches, um, and we're specifically talking about this one, just special, special matches. You know, I, I, I watched it back uh, today, just uh, the, the, the closing sequence, just out, outstanding. The, just, again, the emotion. We're talking about, uh, you know, it, it's largely lost today, uh, I think. Um, one of the big things that kind of gets lost in uh, wrestling today is the emotion, I think. Um, the whole storytelling aspect. I've, I've heard wrestlers <laughs> in locker rooms making fun of um, telling stories in the ring um, <laughs> you know which is it's so baffling um to me because um I it's moves brian it's moves it is and it isn't though <laughs> you know what i mean i mean just the emotion behind this match and then and michael's getting up and crawling up the undertaker and looking him in the eye and uh you know giving him this you know slicing of the throat uh you know and then and then slapping him in the face, and the Undertaker giving him the jumping uh, tombstone, just uh, just an incredible sequence. But yeah, what an incredible match! I mean, and again, second best match between that the two of them had at WrestleMania. But uh, the standard is set so damn high for these two guys that uh, those are matches um, that will live on uh, forever and will will hold up for generations to come. I think uh, some matches over time, you know, really lose something. They don't hold up, uh, you know, don't don't stand the test of time. But this match does, uh, and in my pick, and obviously your pick as well <laughs> for the for the best WrestleMania main event of all time. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to Adam Cole on Stone Cold's podcast today, and it's funny we're you know obviously talking about emotion. It seems like things that aren't meant to happen, like uh, accidents that happen during a match, kind of add this element that really heightens the emotion. Um, like Adam Cole talked about how he accidentally bled during a match, and it really kind of almost jump-started his career, turned his career all around. And the WrestleMania 25 match, where The Undertaker did the dive over the top and just practically landed right on top of his head, that just uh, that I think it's that moment that makes that match just a little bit better than WrestleMania 26. Just the the fact that oh my god, he almost did he die right then and there, um, and then he comes back from that and you know finishes the match and it's a tremendous match. Just that those those elements that can't be manufactured, that can't be choreographed, that can't be just created ahead of time. Things that happen just you know, naturally, that just uh, takes a match to a different place. And uh, I know we're talking about WrestleMania 26, but the WrestleMania 25 match, that's what makes that a little, just a little bit better to me. But as you said, the uh, the rematch, which was in its rightful spot in the main event at WrestleMania 26 between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, was another masterpiece. Uh, it was, I mean, it's like comparing to works of art um you you find things you like about one and not about the other but they're still two amazing masterpieces and uh i agree with you uh as i said we should have talked about this beforehand but no i guess that's <laughs> it's kind of appropriate i i guess actually that we came to a consensus about this is kind of uh interesting that uh 
we both went the same direction. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like a lot of people would probably share the same opinion. Who would have guessed? Perhaps the only time in WPAN history that the Kingpin and I agreed on something: Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 26, best WrestleMania match of all time. Does it still hold up though? Two years later, I think it does. I still stand by the fact that that wasn't even their best match. The year before was a better match to me. It's crazy, but I think it's the truth. Uh, I don't think anything the past couple of years has really surpassed that in my mind. Let us know out there at the WPAN if anything recently or overall has risen above what I think is the number one WrestleMania event, main event of all time. That is Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Mania 26. And remember, the main event is the last match on the card. Just like the Triple Threat Women's match is going to be the main event this Sunday at WrestleMania. Good luck to those ladies. Of course, that is uh, very well deserved, and I can't wait to see what happens in that match. But uh, what do you think so far? The Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Best entrances, best WrestleMania main events. Give us your feedback at the WPAN on Twitter or call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Get your voice on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing with your thoughts on WrestleMania's best entrances, WrestleMania's best main events, or upcoming your thoughts on Kofi Kingston possibly becoming the WWE champion at WrestleMania. Booking the territory. Let's talk about that for a second with Mike Mills, Harmony Harper, Doc Turner. Two episodes a week. We used to do two episodes a week. Not anymore, but these guys are in it for the long haul. Sundays and Thursdays, they put out new episodes talking about Smoky Mountain Wrestling and the Jim Crockett Promotions 605 Saturday Night Era of uh, the NWA Mike Mills uh, killing it there with booking the territory. Make sure to check out mikemills.podbean.com for more on this great podcast. And the northern version, essentially, of booking the territory is our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. And we're talking about WrestleMania's best and worst. They are ranking WrestleMania's, the top 10 best WrestleMania's, the top 10 worst WrestleMania's in their Royal Rankings slash Royal Flush, the new segment this season for our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn ranking the best and the worst of WrestleMania's. Make sure to check out OVPPodcast.com for more on that great Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. And greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winson. He is one man. He's not going to be my neighbor anymore. I just realized this. I'm moving. He's not going to be right nearby, but he is nearby in my heart. And the way I keep him in my heart is to listen to Greetings from Allentown. He talks about one single episode of wrestling television each and every week and uh, brings his own special spin on it. Go inside the mind of PW, Peter Winston, with Greetings from Allentown on his own feed or the Pro Wrestling on the feed on Place to Be Nation. Finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, Troy, Sal, all the rest over there. They have a whole network there. The Rundown Wrestling Network. Go to rundownwrestling.com for information. Basically shows every single day of the week on the Rundown Wrestling Network. So check it out and enjoy Right now, let's go to our main event of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing this week, Kofi Kingston. It is uh, absolutely fantastic. He's finally getting his just due after 11 years. But the Kingpin and I, we knew him way back when. He started out right here in New England at the Chaotic Training Center for Chaotic Wrestling. And he didn't last very long, as we'll get into here in this segment, our retrospective on our pal, Kofi Kingston. Kofi, the early year. Brian, uh, you and I were uh, around Chaotic Wrestling. You trained from scratch at the Chaotic Training Center, which is the training facility for Chaotic Wrestling. It is now uh, the New England Pro Wrestling Academy run by Brian Fury. Go to anyprowrestling.com if you want to know about uh, Brian Fury's school. But originally, it was the Chaotic Training Center. And one day, a guy walked in. By the name of Kofi. Were you there when he showed up? Yeah, I mean, I was actually, well, you know, Mike, when he first walked in, I just looked at that guy and said, that guy's a star. And I just knew it. I just you knew it and everyone the, else. Yeah, I just knew it from the first. No, that's, that's not true at all. There was this in-shape athletic dude who um, did have an aptitude for things because he was a great athlete. 
I was. I, it's funny because um, it was me and Mike Hollow were there that night running things, and Mike was in the the ring with like the more experienced guys, and Kofi was the only like new new student that night. So I took Kofi over into the second ring, and the first person Kofi locked up with a professional wrestling ring was yours truly, buddy. How about that? There you go. <laughs> Not too shabby. Put that on the resume. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I mean, right from the start, Kofi had an aptitude for it. So Kofi was, I believe he worked at the corporate headquarters of Staples, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He had a desk job sitting in a cubicle, and he was looking for a way out, I think. (laughs) So yeah, he came to the Chaotic Training Center, and he locked up for the first time with uh, Brian Malonis. And how long? I mean, you talked about, you're joking about the first time you saw him, you thought, you know, whatever, but... How long did it take for you to be around him and to see him in the ring to think there's something here? Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, all kidding aside, I mean, from the first day, I mean, again, he showed an aptitude because Kofi is a is a ridiculous athlete. So, I mean, he showed an aptitude just right from the beginning of of bumping and being able to tie up and move around the ring. And um, I, I mean, I don't know when exactly I thought Kofi would be this, you know the star or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he, he was good and he was picking up things quickly, but I, I think anybody who says they took a look at Kofi in his brief time on the Indies and thought like, Oh my God, this guy is just going to be one of the biggest stars <laughs> in the business someday. Like, I think you're lying. I think you're, I think you're full of caca. Sorry. Like, <laughs> not that, it, not that you didn't think like, Oh, not, like I think your impression of Kofi was, wow, this guy's really good. And he's super athletic. And, and then once he got the Jamaican character, it was like, Oh, that's something that's, that's, that's entertaining. Like, but I, I mean, in short of seeing guys, who, this is like the same people who say like, the first time I laid eyes on Sasha Banks, you know, like I knew she was going to be a big star. Like, you're just, you're full of crap. I mean, it's short of like seeing like, you know, one of these six foot six guys who are ripped. Those are usually the guys who the moment they walk in, you're like, oh man, this guy's going to be a huge star. Like, I mean, we all knew from the start Kofi was, was, was very athletic and very, and very good and had an aptitude for wrestling. The other things that really stood out about Kofi was his passion, uh, how hard he worked, um, extremely coachable, always trying to get better, doing whatever it took to get better, always at class, always asking questions, going to shows, doing all the little things. So he, I mean, he was the total package from the start with all the things you need to be successful. But I mean, especially the, at the at the point that Kofi was coming in, it was still six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, and Kofi is six feet tall. You know, at the time he came in, probably one hundred and sixty, hundred seventy pounds. Yeah, the joke was, uh, you know, around us guys, a guy six four above would walk in the door. And it would just be one word. Contract. Contract. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, Kofi kind of broke the mold. And uh, people know his Jamaican character. But his first match, he was not Kofi Kingston. (laughs) His first match, Brian, was for the XWA. Yes. In Rhode Island. And he was not Kofi Kingston. He was... He was the Rock's brother. (laughs) (laughs) He was the Rock's brother. He was Kofi Johnson. And this match, I believe, is online. It was Kofi Johnson versus Ricky Thomas, who (laughs) is another alias of one Tommaso Ciampa. So the first match, <laughs> Kofi's first match, was against Tommaso Ciampa. This it match was, is online. Yes. It's on YouTube. It was put recently on YouTube. You can look it up. Uh, I don't know if it'll probably, yeah, you look up Kofi Kingston. I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, but Kofi Johnson, the brother, he was labeled the son of Rocky Johnson. Yeah. You got Fall River's own Bobby Cruz. Uh was the one putting this all together and he thought well, yes. it would be great if rocky johnson had a son who was a wrestler because <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, rocky Bobby johnson Chris. didn't already have a son who was a, who was a wrestler no yes <laughs> kofi johnson made all sense in the world to to bobby cruz <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, ironically, Kofi's first match almost came in a WWE ring as an extra. Um, is that true? 
Yeah, but yeah, that's one hundred percent true. He went to TV uh, and almost ended up getting like a squash match, and he had, he had not debuted on on like the Indies yet. He almost like, was put in there with uh, who? Do you remember who it was? I don't. I wasn't actually at the TV. Uh, um, Handsome was, and, and I believe Tommaso was as well. Um, but they saw him working out earlier in the day, and they said, "Oh, maybe." Like good, yeah, good guy for like a job match, and uh, it it was one of those ones where they had a bunch of people they needed to go. Like it was a um, some sort of security spot or something, and they worked out in the afternoon. And um, yeah, ironically, Kofi's first match was almost in a WWE ring before he even debuted on the Indies. So um, <laughs> again, he's a guy, though. I mean, you knew he was, you know, he he had all the tools, all the physical tools. But still, to me, the biggest thing that always stood out about Kofi and still does to this very day is the man, is him as a, as a person, him as a man, and just, you know, how hard, right from the start, how much he cared, uh, how coachable he was, how passionate he was, and just the fact that he, he is a great person. Like, to me, that stuff stood out from the beginning more so than. Any, any of the physical stuff and the physical stuff comes and and obviously this guy hasn't had an aptitude but how many people have we seen come in with a boatload of talent and a head full of crap and yeah uh you know and, and right from the start kofi got it mentally and sometimes the mental game is the tougher of the, of the two things and uh, the final piece of the puzzle that really put it over the top was uh the jamaican character he was originally kofi nahaje kingston uh he had a middle name but uh it eventually became Kofi Kingston when he was signed. Do you remember, were you in the school? I mean, I've kind of heard the story, I think, from Fat Pants, who was actually on Monday's podcast. You want to listen to that on the NAI network. Um, when he came up with the Jamaican character in class at the CTC? I mean, I, I remember him doing a lot of work with it and, and actually, you know, studying like you know Jamaican history and Jamaican culture and, again, just fully throwing you know, throwing himself into it. I remember talking to him about names and whatnot, and uh, he was looking for, for names and trying to come up with names. And, and right from the start, I remember telling him, like, well, I, th- I think you have a unique name um, to begin is. with. Yeah. yeah, that's Kofi. I think that's something, you know, you could you could use right there. So, you know, I, I, I remember having discussions with him about that. I don't remember the exact, you know, putting together of the Jamaican gimmick. I just, I remember him coming up with it and trying different things. And I think he had a few other weird things along the way he was trying to come up with. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, just the story from Todd Sinclair, who was actually booking chaotic wrestling at the time. He was at the school and Kofi did a practice match as the Jamaican character. And just that was sealed the deal right there for Todd. He was like, that's it. And for some reason, Todd decided that this Jamaican had to be a heel and he had to be a la um, Ludwig Borga. Yes, he had to be a, a Jamaican who hated America. <laughs> and you can find these vignettes. Yeah, these are online too. <laughs> yes, there are vignettes with Kofi as an evil heel Jamaican uh, <laughs> rummaging around Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, in, in the ruins of Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, just talking about how you know america is terrible and he's going to bring home the riches of america for his father but uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh, i mean might have been a little ill-advised just to for a guy like kofi who's like a charismatic guy to be a heel but um i mean it was it was something (laughs) yeah i mean it worked it worked and you know kofi can make uh, seemingly anything work and so he did his chaotic run. It was uh, not lengthy, as we mentioned, but he came in and he uh, was undefeated in chaotic wrestling. He had a number of matches. He was probably around for a good six months, uh, maybe a little less, actually, and won all of his matches, Brian, except the last one. <laughs> yes. And he was defeated on that night by uh, one kingpin, Brian Malonis. <laughs> No kingpin yet. Jeez, it might even be. Was it, was it still Brian Buffet at that point? <laughs> uh, it, may, it may have been, but uh, yes. <laughs> it really could have been. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, there was, uh, I think it was like Summer Chaos or something like that. Like, uh, And I think we told the story before on, on this podcast, but Kofi went to the ring, did an open challenge, and we talked about it beforehand. 
And I had said to uh, Todd, who was working at the time, I was like, I think they're going to cheer me. Yeah. No, they're not going to cheer you. They're not going to cheer you. They're not going to cheer you. Because the crowd always hated me. I said, well, yeah, I don't know. But he's doing like this open challenge thing. And I'm like, I'm going to come through. I think they're going to cheer me. And yep, they cheered me because Kofi ran them down. And then, then he called out anybody in the locker room and I come out. Right. So the crowd thinks I'm going to, you know, they're happy now. I'm going to pound this guy. So Todd is like, you got to do something to turn him against you. You got to do something to turn him against you. <laughs> and I said something stupid and cheap heat type stuff. And then, but by the end, like it was an easy, you know, it was an easy fix. And. It's funny, that that afternoon, I was actually almost pulling into the PAV when uh, Kofi called me on the phone to tell me that that was his uh, last match in Chaotic and that he was signed. And so that was that was pretty cool to be able to have that have that moment with him uh, on the Indies there, his last match on the Indies. And I sent his ass packing yes. all the way down to Florida. <laughs> yes. Well, first he stopped in uh, Atlanta. But, uh... <laughs> That's right. He, he did start in Deep South, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah. The... the uh vaunted deep south wrestling which has many uh horror stories about it but uh yeah so he was signed uh based basically on a wwe tryout camp that happened at the chaotic training center uh do you remember anything about that about that tryout yeah i I remember uh me and max being the only two guys that were told to take our shirts off um <laughs> right yeah but uh Co- yeah i remember kofi wrestled wrestled uh uh handsome or, or war beard hansen as uh most people might know him by now they actually brought him uh, up a few times right kofi had like two or three matches yeah he, he yeah, was the only clearly, guy yeah they clearly really liked him i mean i think at that point he was far and away the the standout and i think it actually at that point um where now WWE actually wants guys with some experience and who have made names for themselves. At that point, experience hurt you because they looked at it like you had all these bad habits that so they'd have to unteach you. So one of the biggest things I think they loved about Kofi, aside from all the other stuff, but was the fact that he was so new still that they didn't have to unteach him. They could, you know, mold him whichever way they wanted to. And I, I don't know how true or untrue the legend is now of. Uh, it's kind of become legend in, around our circle of uh, Paul Heyman, who was writing the new ECW at that point, wanted a Jamaican character or something, or or maybe he was writing SmackDown at that point, and uh, but wanted a wanted a Jamaican character, and and Kofi was doing a Jamaican character, and that helped his cause. And I don't I don't know how true or untrue that that really is, but that's kind of the legend among our our crew. Yeah, that's kind of what. Uh... I had been hard. I think we actually said that on this podcast here, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine it not being true, but I, I don't know. You, you know, we don't know for sure if that's the case. So yeah, from there, Kofi went to Deep South Wrestling, and then ended up in Florida Championship Wrestling, and then went to ECW on the main roster, and he's been up on the main roster for how many years now? Yeah, Forever. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I'm so lost on time at this yeah. point. I, but I think like nine years or something, maybe something. I think recently he had like a eight or nine year anniversary or something. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and, and I just you know, and 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 you can attest to this. I can't say enough good things about uh, Kofi. We remain you know friends to this day, and just an incredible person, um, an incredible human being, uh, put aside the success for a moment. Um, you know, some people you hear horror stories about when they have success, how it changes them and, and the type of people they become. Um, but Kofi is the same dude as the day I met him. And, uh, he's just a great dude and a great person and somebody I'm so happy to see having the success he's having because, He's just a great person. Uh, like I can't say that enough. I, I and I don't think that can be stressed enough in a business that so much negativity gets, um, you know, gets publicized. You see so many negative stories about wrestling. God damn it! Somebody should do a story about Kofi Kingston and just what an incredible dude he is. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, he'll probably have a job there for life uh, because he's such a great ambassador. Uh, for their company uh, they don't have to worry about scandals or anything like that with Kofi you know get the opportunity to go to his wedding and uh, you know share that experience you know with him and his and his close friends and family and 
you know, see pictures of his family now with his kids and just what, I don't know. I can't say it enough. Uh, the dude is an amazing guy and, um, I'm just, I'm happy to call him a friend and happy, uh, I get to be there at the beginning uh, of his story. It's been a, it's been really fun to watch, especially now with the New Day stuff, because uh, for a while, it, you know, he was yeah, languishing he a little bit. Yeah, you know, there was that lull, and you start to wonder, like, oh man, like you start to get worried, like uh, you know, when they do their cuts every year, like, oh shit, is this gonna, is this gonna be it for him? But to see him now in the spot he's in, doing the things that they're doing, um, hosting WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I mean, or having their WrestleMania match last year, or. You know, and and they them selling the most merchandise at WrestleMania over that weekend, like I don't know, in, incredible, absolutely incredible. And to say that, and this is not me taking credit, but the fact that I got to be in the ring with him on literally his first day in professional wrestling, and to see that, um, I mean, for me is is really cool. Um, you know, uh, and again, this is not I've never been like I'm not I'm not saying like. I'm the reason why Kofi Kingston is a huge success. Others like, have said that, but not you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not that guy. I will never be, I will never be that guy. I, if anything, I'm just, I, for me, it's kind of a cool thing to, to look back and see and, and not even because, like, just because he's a huge star, uh, but because he's my friend as well. Right. I echo all of your sentiments, obviously. I mean, Kofi. Yeah, I rambled fantastic there. I'm sorry, guy. buddy. No. No, no, but I, I genuinely love the dude and, and uh, you know, can't say enough nice things about him. And this is a great uh, thing to talk about here. And I figure we'll probably never get Kofi on the podcast. So we'll just interview each other and just talk about Kofi. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but, you know, unless we get big enough to where uh, we can get those types of guests, um, I hope we never get him on this podcast because... That would mean something bad happened. <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't, you know, and I, I, I hope my buddy is there for forever. So the funny thing is we actually did get Kofi Kingston on the show, uh, in a way anyway. He called into the voicemail line on our 100th episode to, well, not really congratulate us, to basically give the Kingpin a hard time. But go back and check out episode 100 if you haven't heard uh, Kofi Kingston on the wrestling podcast about nothing. But we did get him. We got him on the show. And uh, really uh, can't wait to see what happens uh, at WrestleMania. It's going to be a great thing. I, I got a good feeling. Let's just put it that way. I had a good feeling about Kofi Kingston in the WWE Championship match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Uh, I guess that a long time coming. Back in 2017, when we uh, first recorded that segment, he was hosting many, which, I mean, is a big deal. But to be in a featured match at the biggest show of the year, the granddaddy of them all, as they say, uh, what a what a time, what a time to be alive <laughs> for for us as his pals and for Kofi himself uh, as Brian and I have said time and time again no more deserving guy just a, a great fella and never forgot where he came from you walk backstage or you walk uh, see him somewhere and it's just like uh, 2006 when we first uh, ran into the guy in chaotic wrestling so Good luck to Kofi Kingston this Sunday at WrestleMania. I know Brian uh, would pass along the same to him. It's going to be a hell of a day, I think, at WrestleMania. A long day, but a hell of a day for a guy like Kofi going into that championship match. So uh, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, uh, the Kingpin is hitting the highways and byways and airways. Chris Carson, this great nation of ours, plying his trade as a professional wrestler, and he has dates. And yes, this Friday, let's start on Friday, Festival of Honor. He will be a part of the Festival of Honor with Dalton Castle himself and the Beer City Bruiser will be a guest for an afternoon with Dalton Castle. Not sure what that entails. I don't think the Kingpin does either, but that is happening Friday, the 5th of April and the 6th of April. Saturday night, the big one, G1 Supercard from Madison Square Garden. All roads lead to Manhattan, to New York City, to Madison Square Garden as the Kingpin steps out of the curtain and uh, enters the hallowed halls of MSG. And a uh, big moment for him, and I'm going to be there my first time at Madison Square Garden, so I can't wait to witness it. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a happening, Jess. So uh, if you're not actually coming to G1 Supercard, let me know if you are, by the way. I'd love to 
to meet and greet you. But uh, if you aren't able to make it, it is available on traditional pay-per-view, on Honor Club, a Fight TV app. You can uh, find it any numerous ways to check out G1 Supercard live from Madison Square Garden, Saturday night the 6th. And, of course, on the 7th, there's that little show called WrestleMania we just uh, talked about all episode long. So be sure to check that out as well. And I know the Kingpin is heading to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, numerous other locations I don't have in front of me. But the Kingpin slash Brawler is blowing up, so make sure to catch Brian uh, when he comes to your town. And if you want to book the Kingpin out there, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. Let's go now to a classic promo about nothing. This week's promo about nothing is from the year 1990. And just as last week here on the podcast you weren't a part of, it is World Championship Wrestling. Of course, this gentleman was not an in-ring competitor at this point. He was just a personality that was brought in. His name is Thunderbolt Patterson. Let's just take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. You championship wrestling gave me the opportunity again to keep my eyeballs on the only. You have ruined folks' lives. Not talking about how you dealt with mine in the past, but in the recently. You have been getting on everybody's case. So this Sunday, if you move, if you move, I am going, if you move, this Sunday, it's time to, ooh, I'm so full, I'm full up to here. Same old. But they say it's going to be a change. There will be a change. History has already been made. Call somebody. Tell somebody. Only if you move. Just move. <laughs> I feel like that went on for a while longer. And I just got it there. <laughs> if you move, Kingpin. Do you, now, dude. Let me ask you this: Do you do you think? Um, do you think he was lost, or do you think he was doing that for effect? Because I, I could go either way on it. I I think he got lost, but I think it's a guy. He's got a lot of charisma. He can say something by nothing, and I believe he said absolutely nothing here. This is a true <laughs> definition of a promo about nothing, saying nothing. If you move. <laughs> I want to know what if only moves. I don't know, but he never gets to it. But they, they did cut off the beginning of the promo. Maybe he said it in the beginning. The beginning of it was cut off on the uh, the YouTube clip. Maybe maybe he must have gone into it and let everyone know. Well, they, they, all, then they, cut, they definitely cut it off there. Like yes. that was not the that was not the end of the camera rolling on him cutting that promo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thunderbolt Patterson. I mean, he started in the '60s in the South, and he had a relationship with Ole Anderson going way back. And Ole was booking at the time in WCW. Brought him in if they thought that he could cut some promos and get some stuff over, but. I mean, apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) It was compelling. It was compelling. (laughs) Well, yeah, you had me hooked there, but then they ended it before I got the what the payoff was. I am going. If you move, (laughs) just move. (laughs) I want to know what what happened. It was at the Omni. I want to know what happened. If he moved, (laughs) Ole Anderson. I'm going to let him say Ole did move. I'm I'm going to guess at one point he did move, but I don't know what happened because he never told us what would happen. I want to, but there's one point in the promo where he gets lost, where he says this. I have no idea what he's saying. Let's see if you, maybe you can uh, figure this out for me here. Same old. Sable? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was maybe same Oli, but no, he he makes like an F sound, like same off or same move. (laughs) Same move? Is that what he's saying? It it doesn't. I I don't know. It sounded like Sable to me. Sable. Same old. Same old? <laughs> but but he, says like, he makes like a sound. <laughs> Same fold? Same old. <laughs> I have no idea, but that's the great thing about a promo with a guy like Thunderbolt Patterson. You have no idea, but you're still someone entertained. <laughs> I'm thoroughly entertained. <laughs> <laughs>
You've heard this classic promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. And the video is actually from our YouTube channel, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing YouTube channel. That is tinyurl.com slash WPAN YouTube. And you will hear this entire segment, actually, and you will see the video in between. I did this for a few weeks and it kind of didn't catch on, so I stopped doing it. But, uh, this one actually got a lot of traction online, so be sure to check out the video from the Wrestling Podcast about the Nothing YouTube channel featuring our buddy Thunderbolt Patterson. All right, guys, as I promised, we'll be back next week in some form with an episode talking about G1 Supercard right after it happened. I will do everything within my power to get something out to, uh, I mean, it might not be a full hour, but it'll be something to give our thoughts on what went on at Madison Square Garden, G1 Supercard. Hope to see you guys there or check it out on pay-per-view. We will be back, I promise you, next Monday for episode 155 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, for the Kingpin Brawler, Brian Malonis, I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. <laughs>